Thank you so much for joining us for Ankeny Gospel Church Podcast. On this podcast, you can find sermons, classes, and other resources that continue to invite us into the mission of Jesus and the journey of faith. We hope this is a blessing to you, and if we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out. Hello, my name is Nate, and today's scripture reading is from 2 Peter 1, 3-11. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who is called by us by his own glory and goodness. By these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus the Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. Well, let's exchange greetings this morning. Good morning. morning. My name is Parker McGoldrick. I'm one of the pastors here at Ankeny Gospel Church. And what a delight to be able to gather and meet and talk about God's faithfulness. And um, I actually want to continue that posture of looking at all that the Lord has done for us this year. Um, It's no accident that we're here this year, that you're here right now in this room, and uh, the Lord has brought us uh, far as a a church body. We uh, are over a year and a half in now to this church plant, and I just want to take a few minutes before we dive in and identify some of the way, continue to identify some of the ways in which the Lord has provided for us and, and created a community uh, of his body. Um, first of all, this last year, I, I, we were honored and blessed to feel like we were able to z- kind of zero in on our vision as a church. I feel like this year we really kind of got our own identity as a church. And this summer, this actually this fall, we did a, a sermon series on what we are all about here at Ankeny Gospel Church, that we are disciples of Jesus who long to and desire to become disciples of presence, formation, and mission. Those are our three just pillars of who we are as a church. Presence, formation, and mission. We want to be, our aim is to be disciples who seek the presence of God in everything. In everything. Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all to the glory of God. We seek him in everything. We also want to become disciples of formation who are being formed into the image of Jesus. Formation and discipleship is not a stagnant thing. It is an ongoing, continual thing. And we play a part in our formation, but we also are are, are subject to the Lord's formation in our hearts. And so we want to be disciples who seek the presence of God, who are formed into the image of Jesus, and then finally who live on mission for the renewal of our city. God is making all things new. Do you believe that? God is making all things new, and he wants to do it in and through us, through the church. 
and we have an opportunity to partner with him. Jesus said, I was thinking of this miracle in the gospel according to John, Jesus said after he healed the man by the pool, the pools, um, he, he said this, he said, I only do what I see my father doing. You know what that is? That's, an aware, that's, him, that's Jesus seeking only the, the father's will and he's been formed in such a way that he actually, that's all he does and then he lives on mission so that everything he does is just what he sees the father doing. What would a community be like if we, if we sought the presence of God in everything, we were forming the image of Jesus and we lived on mission saying, saying we can become like Jesus saying, I only do what I see the Father doing. So we did a sermon series on that. We also did an equipping hour on that. And actually speaking of sermon series, I just wanna highlight the last year of sermons and equipping hour classes. Some of you are like, what? Highlight the last year of sermons? Don't worry, I'm gonna just take like three or four hours of your day. It'll be fine. Um, no, this last year we made it through 10 chapters of Matthew. We started Matthew a year ago. Can you believe that? That's crazy. We did 10 chapters of Matthew. We took the summer and we did a summer series on the Psalms, on true flourishing, what it looks like to actually flourish in the kingdom of God. We did the, the, the vision series of Presence Formation Mission and then just last week we finished uh, four weeks of Advent where we celebrated the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that Christ brings to us in Advent. We also had equipping our classes this year and I wanna take a minute and just talk about the equipping our classes that we had. We, we did a class on, here's what we did. We did a class on Genesis 1. It was supposed to be Genesis 1 through 3. It ended up only being like a few verses of Genesis. And if you're in that class, you're smirking and laughing right now. We did a class on Ecclesiastes. We did a class on caring for the poor and the vulnerable. We did a book study on deconstruction and its effect on the modern church. We did a class on spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation. We did a class called Who Are We? where we talked about presence, formation, mission. We did a class on grieving where we talked about what biblical lament and biblical grief looks like. And then we did, we just finished last week, we just finished a 12-week class on the book of Romans and a 12-week overview of the kings and prophets of the Hebrew Bible. And I just wanna take a minute and, and, and honor the people who taught these classes because everything that we do here at AGC, small group leaders, kids ministry, leaders, commu uh, communications, hospitality, youth, everything, equipping our classes is all done by volunteers. And these people take hours out of their week, hours out of their lives, and they prepare for that. So we're also gonna honor them, especially next week in our member meeting. But I just wanna say that none of this really is possible without you guys, like us, like we are doing this together. We're serving one another together. We're studying the word together. We're seeking the presence of God together. We're being formed in the image of God, of Jesus together, and we're living on mission for the renewal of our city. So I just wanted to honor those who taught classes um, and thank everybody else who's, who's volunteered and, and done that as well. This year, we also started the prayer room. Every Wednesday at noon, you know, you know that people are praying for you. You can just count it. You can just put it in your calendar if you want. Every Wednesday at noon, people are praying for you. We're praying for the city of Ankeny. We're praying that God's will would be done in Ankeny as it is in heaven. We have these big note cards that are covering the room now with just answers to prayers and prayer requests for healing and for people and for all relationships to be reconciled, for those who are lost to be found. And it's beautiful. Every Wednesday at noon, we, we pray for each other. We've also, this year, we've also had some ups and downs as a church. We've had a few families move away. We've added about a dozen or so members to our body here at Ankeny Gospel Church. We've celebrated births this year, a number of uh, the women in our church uh, who had children. And we've also grieved and we've mourned the loss of one of our members, Greg Pritchard, this past summer. Not to mention all of your stories this last year. 
all your stories, because God has a way of working through us individually and corporately. And this year, you've walked with the Lord. Sometimes you've walked at a faster pace than others. Maybe you've tripped and you stumbled, but the Lord was there. Maybe you turned around and you walked the other way for a bit. Maybe you got lost. Maybe you just sat down because you're exhausted. Whatever your year looked like, I can tell you this, God is faithful. God is faithful. And you might have lost people in your life this year. You might have gained people in your life this year. You might have had a vision of what this year could look like, whether your job or your school or your relationship or whatever, and it didn't happen. You might have had expectations about this church, and it didn't happen. But I can tell you this, God is faithful. He's with you. He's walking with you. Whether you know it or not, he is with you. And so I want to give this year to the Lord in prayer. And um, before I do, though, I know we're, we're, like, I haven't even started my sermon. Oh, boy, here we go. I want to give this, this year to the Lord in prayer. But before I do, I want you to bring to mind right now one or two ways that you've seen the Lord this year. You've seen God this year. Whether it's a, a, a relationship that was broken that's mended, whether it's a, a passion and the zeal for the Lord that just grew in your heart this year, I want you to think back and bring one or two ways in which the Lord has been with you, that you've seen God, I want you to bring those to mind, and I want to just give that to the Lord right now. So Father, your ways are above our ways, your thoughts are above our thoughts. And God, we, uh, we say with the psalmist now that those who seek you shall not be in want of any good thing. So right now, this morning, God, we seek you. We're looking for you in this last year. We wanna thank you, Lord, for the times that you've been faithful to us, for those blessings, for those good and perfect gifts that come from above. Father, we also wanna lament and grieve the moments in our lives where our expectations were not met, where there was pain. And we say with the psalmist, God, that you in those moments, you were not far off, but you were actually near to the brokenhearted. You're near to us when we were brokenhearted. And you save those of us crushed in spirit. So Father, we give you this year this last year that we're celebrating now and we're reflecting on, we give you this moment as we open up your word and look at what it means to follow you and we give you this next year. God, I ask that you would give us a devotion, a, a, a steadfastness to mark this out as a moment where we say our eyes are on you. When we don't know what to do, Lord, I don't wanna look to the left or to the right, I wanna look at you. So Holy Spirit, now I ask that you would come into this moment we know that you're already here, so I just ask that you would open our eyes to see you. Unstop our ears that we might hear what you have to say. 
And to you, Father, be the glory in everything. We pray all this in your son's name by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Today we're gonna answer two questions from 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. The first is this, what role do we have in our discipleship? What role do you and I play in our own discipleship? And the second is, how does that fit in with our vision as a church, which is becoming disciples of presence, formation, mission, uh, becoming disciples who seek the presence of God, are formed in the image of Jesus, and live on mission for the renewal of our city. So today we're going to ask these two questions. By the way, if you're curious and you're like, wait, I thought we were in Matthew, we're, we're going to jump back into Matthew next week. This week is just like that one-off week, you know, between Christmas and New Year's, which actually all the other churches I've worked at, they give this sermon to the youth pastor because they figure it's the new year and nobody's going to be here. So lucky for me, I am the youth pastor, so here I am. Uh, what role do we play in our discipleship? This is an interesting question and one that uh, I've, been, I've been wrestling with a lot recently that I think needs to be said because... And by the way, when I say discipleship, I'm also using it synonymously with like apprenticeship or like formation, like the process of, of following Jesus, the lifelong journey of following Jesus. That's what discipleship is. So to, to this question, what's our role in our own discipleship? There are two ends of the spectrum. On the one end, you have ultimate role. You have the ultimate role, as in it's all on you, Right? Your formation into Christ-likeness rises and falls on you. You following Jesus rises and falls on you. God kick-started the process by giving you grace and forgiving your sins, but now it's up to you. You have the ultimate role of your discipleship. If you, uh, if, you, if you speed up, if you slow down your discipleship, if you get turned around, that's on you. If you go backwards, that's on you. Every thought to control and make it obedient to Christ, it's on you. Every sin to avoid, it's on you. Every practice, right, the practices, silence and solitude, prayer, fasting, scripture, it's on you. Every command in the New Testament, it's on you. You are ultimately in control of your discipleship to Jesus. All of the agency is on you. That's one end of the spectrum. And that is a burden. Man, if, the, if, if, if this, we're gonna see that this is not true, but if this is true, then being a Christian is exhausting. So on the one, what's your role in discipleship? On the one end of the spectrum, you have the ultimate role. Everything rises and falls on you. Your formation is on you, period. On the other end of the spectrum, you have no role. You have no role in your discipleship. It's all on God. Your formation into Christ-likeness does not rise and fall on you. It rises and falls on God. All you have to do is nothing. There's nothing you can do to speed up, slow down, increase, or decrease your discipleship. God's gonna do what God's gonna do with or without you. This is when, God, this is when uh, it says that God is in control, and by that they mean that uh, uh, he's a determinist and there's nothing you can do to get out of his plan or participate in his plan, it just is. In fact, these, this, this idea says, why are we even talking about doing? You don't have to do anything. God did it all and he's going to do it all, so right now all I do is just sometimes go to church, sometimes read my Bible, but at the end of the day, God's gonna do what he's gonna do so I can just let go and let God. That's on the other end of the spectrum. We have no agency. You have no role. Now the question is, which one do you relate to more right now? Because we relate to these. We have tendencies towards one of these. Some of you tend towards the ultimate role and you're like, I'm in control of my own discipleship and some tend towards the no role where you're like, no, I have nothing to do with this. I'm just gonna wait till I die so that I can get to the good place. And if I'm being honest here, I have a tendency towards the former. As in, I have a tendency to think in my life that my discipleship rises and falls on what I do. 
that my formation into Christ's likeness arises and falls on me and my effort. That my sanctification is solely on me and if I fall, I have to pick myself back up because God won't. But I know a lot of people who have tendencies towards the opposite, thinking that they have no role in discipleship, which if not kept in check, leads to the servant who sat on the one talent that his master gave him. And then when the master returned, he said, hey, here's your one talent back, I'm just, I'm glad you're back, let's go do this thing. So on the one end of the spectrum, we have an ultimate role in our discipleship. On the other end, we have no role of, in our discipleship. And here's the kicker, neither of these are biblical. Neither of these work. You do not have ultimate ro- role in your discipleship and you do not have no role in your discipleship. In fact, there's this pastor, Pete Scazzaro, and he has this book titled Emotionally Healthy Leader that we actually, as a leadership team, we're going through right now, and it's really, really good. But he has other names for this uh, spectrum, and he says this. He says, on the one end is legalism, and on the other end is licentiousness. Legalism, I have to do it. I have ultimate role in my discipleship. If I don't do things, then I'm not gonna grow. But on the other end is this licentiousness. Well, whatever, dude. God's got it. I'm good to go. Don't have to think about it. I said yes to Jesus like 20 years ago. Now I'm just waiting to say yes to Jesus when he lets me in. There you go. And neither of these are Christian. Neither of these follow the definitions that given, are given to us in the scriptures of what it means to follow Jesus. So if neither of these are Christian, truly Christian, what does our role look like biblically? And one word that I keep coming back to that the New Testament calls union, but we're gonna call it this, participation. What role do we have in our discipleship? Participation. What is participation? When you participate with somebody, who does the work? It's a trick question. Answers both, right? When you participate with somebody towards a goal, did you do it or did the other person do it? Well, both. We participated together. In other words, when we participate with God, we, le- we leave the category of ultimate role, like I have to do this, this is a burden. I am, I am the, the agent that makes my discipleship go or stop. And we also avoid the pitfall of saying, well, I'm not actually gonna do anything. I don't have to even go to church or read my Bible or nothing. God's gonna do what he's gonna do. We get this participation from 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Let's, let's look at 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4 uh, together. 2 Peter 1 says this, his divine power has given us everything required for life. For life. Man, do you, let's pause right there. Do you, do you Do I believe that his divine power has given me everything required for life? For life and godliness? Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, verse four, by these he has given us. Okay, did we do anything to deserve the gift that he has given us? No, he's given it to us. All you can do is receive or reject, repent or not repent, right? So he's given it to us, very great and precious promises, then look at this, so that through them you may share in the divine nature. NIV has the word participate in the divine nature, right there in the middle of verse four. Did God give us all these very good and great and precious promises so that through them we might have ultimate role in our discipleship and we might take the reins and we might do everything that we can do to grow in the likeness of Jesus? No. Did God give us these very great and precious promises so that through them we might just let go and let God and let him do all the work and we don't do anything at all? No. He gave us these great and precious promises so that we may share in the divine nature 
When is the last time you woke up and you're like, God, I'm ready to share in the divine nature with you? First of all, I don't even know like, what that would look like. But second, sometimes I read the New Testament and I'm like, are you, are you sure? Like, are you sure you said that? Like, am I, am I reading that right? We get to participate in the divine nature with God. Paul says that the very same spirit who raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. Resurrection power for me who has believed? Sometimes I feel like I can't even get out of bed in the morning. He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, participate in the divine nature. This is the the idea of theosis. God became like man so that man can become like God. This is the idea of union. Paul says in in, in, um, uh, uh, one of his letters, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So sorry, I should know this. My Greek professor from college is here, so I'm a little intimidated right now. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Who is it? Is it Paul living or is it Christ living? And the answer is both. Does Paul have ultimate role in his discipleship to Jesus? No. Does he have no role in his discipleship to Jesus? No. What's the answer? Both. Participation. He has given us great and precious promises so that through him, through them, we may share in the divine nature. Now, this does not say that we can work for it, and it doesn't say that we can sit back and take a back seat. It says that we share, we participate. And then, this is where it gets dicey. Verse five, look at verse five. For this very reason, make every effort. Make every effort. ESV says, make every effort to supplement your faith. NIV says, make every effort to add to your faith. Okay, let's think about this. I have received a gift, very great and divine precious promises so that I can share in the divine nature. And then Peter's next sentence says, make every effort to add to your faith, to supplement your faith. I didn't think I had to do anything, right? I thought I just had to sit back and be like, oh, well, I don't have to do anything. That doesn't seem to be the case here. Peter says, make every effort. Grace is, not, is opposed to earning, but grace is not opposed to effort. And I think this is where the dichotomy gets split. There is a difference between earning and effort. Peter does not say, make every, make every effort to earn the gifts that God, you know, so that God can give you the gifts. He says, make every effort to supplement your faith. So which is it? Do I have to receive the gift and not do anything? Or do I have to make every effort? Well, it seems that we do both here. Make every effort to supplement your faith with what? With goodness. Man, we could use a lot of goodness in this world today. And goodness with knowledge, both explicit uh, head knowledge and implicit heart knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with endurance. Endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Here's what Peter is saying. If you don't make every effort, you will not grow into a person of love. What's the end of our discipleship? Let's just say this again. We talked about this last week, but let's just say this again. The end of our discipleship is to become a person of love because our discipleship's goal is to become more like Jesus, become more like God, and God is love. And Peter says it here. There's this long list, and it leads up to this last word, love. Peter is saying that if you don't make an effort after you've received the gift, 
after you've received the grace and the forgiveness of sins, if you don't do anything, you will not grow in your discipleship to Jesus. Verse eight, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the enemy would love for Christians to be? He would love for Christians to be useless and unfruitful. But you know who we are when we have received the power of the Holy Spirit and we make every effort to supplement our faith with these things, we now then become useful and fruitful, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, being a foretaste of eternity in our lives. Verse nine, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. If we think that we have the ultimate role in our discipleship, or if we think we have no role in our discipleship, Peter says that we are blind and short-sighted and we've forgotten the forgiveness of our sins. Verse 10, therefore, brothers and sisters, uh-oh, he says it again, make every effort. Make every effort to confirm your calling. And then look down at verse 15. Peter's like, hey, just in case you think that I'm making you do it, but I'm not myself doing it. He says this in verse 15. And I will also make every effort so that you're able to recall these things at the time after my departure. Peter is saying this, you have received the love of the Father. You don't, it's there. If you're thinking to yourself, I have to earn it, don't. It's there. You've received it. And so now, if you want to grow in it, if you want to be sanctified, if you want to become a disciple of Jesus, constantly growing, you have to make every effort to supplement that faith with knowledge, goodness, uh, uh, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Grace is opposed to earning you do not earn anything. It is unconditioned, the love of God is. But it's not opposed to effort. And in fact, it requires it. So question number one, what is my role in discipleship? Participation. It's participation. It's saying, God, I want you to live in me, and I want to live in you. And I want to do this thing together. I don't wanna be burdened by the weight of me trying to do it myself and I don't wanna just have this let go and let God mentality of like I don't have to do anything because God's gonna do everything. I want to participate with you, Father. So if that's the answer to the first question. The second question is how does this play into our vision as a church? If our role in discipleship is participation, what does that look like specifically here at Ankeny Gospel Church? Because remember, at Ankeny Gospel Church, we're, we're decided to become disciples of presence, formation, and mission, who seek the presence of God, are formed in the image of Jesus, and live on mission for the renewal of our city. So first, let's just think about presence. Our, our, the idea of presence, of seeking the presence of God, comes from the scriptures because multiple times in the scriptures, it says that God hides from those who think they're wise. God hides from those who think they're wise. And it says, for those of us who have eyes to see it, that God wants to be sought. God wants to be sought. So when we're thinking of the role that we have in our discipleship, do we just wait for God to show up? Or do we just spin our tires trying to find him and everything? And the answer is yes. 
we make every effort to seek the presence of God, the face of God. In Hebrew, those two words are the same, the face of God and the presence of God. We make every effort to do that and we wait patiently for him to show up. How do you know if you're seeking him? How do you know if you're seeking God? Right, we talk about seeking the presence of God. We seek the presence of God, seek the presence of God, seek the presence of God. Well, how do you know if you're seeking him? Here's how you know if you're seeking him, if you want to seek him. When you seek God, you'll want to seek God. And if you are not seeking God, then you don't want to seek God. In the natural, when you eat, you're no longer hungry. In the supernatural, when you eat, you're hungrier still. If you seek God, you'll want to seek God. Formation. As we seek the presence of God, we're formed. We are formed into the image of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. The idea there is actually become. The word there in, in, in the Greek is actually become imitators of me, which, which implies a formation process. And imitation isn't like this idea of like Simon says. I think that's un, it's an unfortunate translation. It's not this idea of Simon says, like you know Jesus says, put your right hand up, and so you put your right hand up. Imitation is this idea of participation. Like we are becoming one in Christ and Christ is becoming one in us and so we're actually participating with Paul as he's imitating and following Jesus and this is a process of transformation. It's intentionality. Practices are the way we here at Ankeny Gospel Church intentionally place ourselves to the disposal of the love of God. Let's, t- let's think of the, some of the four, the four biggest practices, right? For, at fasting, prayer, scripture, and silence and solitude. Let's just say fasting. Let's just take fasting for example. If you are fasting, abstaining from food, to earn the love of God, you will be exhausted. And one day, you'll realize that God loves you, even if you've never fasted. His love is there for you. You do not earn it. And so that is a, that, that's not forming yourself at all. That's trying to earn something. On the other side, if you're not fasting, or doing any of the practices, prayer, scripture, silence and solitude, community, church. If you're not fasting because you've turned the love of God into a Disney fast pass where you can skip the line of intentional spiritual formation, then there is a glaring hole in your discipleship to Jesus. And one day your eyes will be open to understand the love of God. That God's love and God's own power and presence lives in you so that you can share in the divine nature and make every effort to supplement your faith with love. So practices are not optional for serious followers of Jesus. This is why our small groups here at Ankeny Gospel Church are built around this idea of formation of practicing together. We don't do sermon reviews in our small group. We don't do another Bible study in our small groups. We practice together. We gather together. We learn about practices and spiritual disciplines, and then we go out. We do them throughout the week, and we come back, and we said, hey, how did the Lord meet you in your Bible reading this week? How did the Lord meet you in your silence and solitude? And sometimes we say, yeah, I didn't. I didn't do it. And so it's like, hey, that's okay. Like, we are forming ourselves into the image of Jesus, and also, we are being formed into the image of Jesus. So which is it? Do we have a role to play in our formation or do we not? And the answer is yes. We don't have the ultimate role to play in our formation because God is gonna do things with the spirit and the mystery of God in our hearts that we will not be able to see maybe in this life. But also we don't just wait around and do nothing. Presence, formation, and then finally, mission. 
mission. If, if we do not seek the presence of God and we are not formed in the image of Jesus, then mission just becomes social outreach and it just becomes philanthropy. And Jesus didn't save and redeem a people to become philanthropists. He saved and redeemed a people to become a foretaste of eternity, the kingdom of heaven now. So if we miss presence, if we don't have the presence of God, and if we miss this formation, forming our minds, our hearts, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewal of our minds, if we miss those two things, and we just say, let's do this, let's go, let's start doing stuff, then we will burn out so quickly. And this is why all three of these things, presence, formation, and mission, they don't work without the other. Because if we have formation and mission, but we don't have presence, then we'll just become really arrogant because we're formed with our minds and we think that we have all the right answers. And then we have like this obligation to do mission. And so we feel like we have to evangelize or we feel like we have to do that, but we have no presence of God. God is not with us. If we have the presence and, 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 the, and the formation, but no mission, we're not actually re- partnering with God to renew all things, then we'll just be a holy huddle that's ineffective, that's unfruitful. And if we have, what's the last one? Presence and mission, but no formation, then we'll be kind of like these, these brainless zealots who are just hyped up with the presence of God, and then we're like, go, 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 but we don't have any formation. Our hearts aren't formed. Our minds aren't formed. Our wills and our desires are not formed. All these three things work together, and who's doing it? Am I doing it, or is God doing it? And the answer is both we partner with God to become disciples of presence, formation, and mission. And I love how it ends too. Second Peter 1, 3, that list of uh, supplement your you know, faith with knowledge, the list ends in love. In other words, what Peter is saying is make every effort to build yourself up and build others up in love. Love is the end. To become a disciple of Jesus is to become a person who loves God with everything in him and loves the neighbor as the self. So we make every effort, but we don't make every effort not to not sin because trying not to fail is not the same thing as following Jesus. Trying not to fall into the legalism category or the licentiousness category or the ultimate role category or the no role category, that's not following Jesus. Trying to get from one to the other isn't following Jesus. What's following Jesus is is seeking him, lifting up our eyes. Lifting up our eyes so that we can see him. Because guys, everything in this world is saying, hey, look down here. Look at this, get distracted. Think about this thing. But if we've been raised with Christ, we are now seated with him at the right hand of the Father and so we lift up our eyes. We seek the things that are above. Because Jesus loves you and he gave himself for you. And he didn't save you out of obligation and he didn't save you to just make you a better moral person He saved you to give you his own life, to give you new life, to take your heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. So as we start this next year, the truth is always a knife's edge, right? As we start this next year, I wanted to start with this, for myself, I wanted to start with this idea, this dichotomy, this two ends of the spectrum, to name to name the, the, the ditches on either side that can be so easy to fall in. 
And it's helpful as a diagnostic. Where, where, do, you, where do you land? Do you land on more the legalism side or do you land in the, the licentiousness, let go kind of a side? Because what we want to do is we want to become disciples of Jesus and follow him. We don't want to say, I have ultimate role and so I'm just going to try to earn the love of God and we don't want to say, well, I'm just going to wait, you know, forever and never and then nothing, I'm not going to do anything. We want to be disciples who seek the presence of God, are formed in the image of Jesus and who live on mission for the new of our city. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we recognize our need right now for you. And Lord, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And right now, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would comfort You would comfort those of us who are exhausted, are burdened, are confused. You would convict us where we need to be convicted. You would prod us where we need to be prodded. And God, I ask that you would give us a willingness and a desire to partner with you. as we follow you into the new creation. I pray that our eyes would be lifted up, our eyes would be on you, and that, God, we would not be satisfied with anything else. We pray all these things in your Son's name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we pray this was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments about what you heard, our email is info at or you can find us on social media at Gospel. Mm-hmm.